1: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host.
2: You shouldn't fear failure, but you should be terrified of regret. Work on
3: your confidence, work on being sure of yourself so that when opportunity presents itself, you go out there and you get that bag. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikaela Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here, and today in the guest chair, I have Alicia Scott, the founder of Range Beauty. So, fun facts about Alicia. Back in 2019, I was a speaker at the Summit 21 conference put on by Blavity and Morgan DeBon. And I got up on stage and at the very beginning of my presentation, I invited someone in the audience. I said, you know, raise your hand, whoever raises their hand first. I want you to come on stage, pitch your side hustle, tell us who you are and all about your business. And the very first hand that shot up was Alicia Scott. And since that day, we have connected on Instagram, we have followed each other, and I have seen the amazing growth of Range Beauty. And so today, I just really wanted to get down and have some time with her to discuss how her business has grown. Now, Alicia first realized that there was a huge huge lack of shades within cosmetics when she began her career in the New York fashion industry and she noticed the lack of shades available during photo shoots and runway shows so she turned to her own cosmetic collection and realized it was lacking too because there was a limited availability of shades made with her eczema and acne prone skin in mind So instead of continuing to ask herself, why can't there be better options for us? Alicia created Range Beauty, a makeup line with skincare benefits. In today's episode, she is going to share how she went about figuring out where to find a manufacturer, how she figured out how to create these actual products, and how she is going out there kicking down doors and getting capital for her business. Let's get right into it. What was your initial career path? What were you doing when you started Range Beauty?
2: So my initial career path was actually in fashion. I was fashion obsessed. I just knew one day I was going to see my collection going down a runaway at New York Fashion Week. So I went to Virginia Tech for fashion design and merchandising. And post-graduation, I moved to New York and really worked any fashion job that would take me Um, and so at the time that i came up with the idea for range it actually came from me working behind the scenes in the fashion industry and being amongst the black models and seeing them having to bring their own makeup kits to set Um, so i was still working that while i was still coming up with the concept and then fast forward i picked up everything and relocated to atlanta georgia and I did that so that I could actually have more flexibility in my schedule and financially to start range. And at that time, I started a new career in HR. It sounds like you just had
3: this confidence like that. I can do this. I, oh, I'm going to start my own, you know, beauty line. What had you seen at that point or what experience did you have that made you feel like this was something that you could take on and and that didn't intimidate you?
2: Honestly, I think my biggest experience stemmed from when I was younger. Um, My dad started off in the army and then he went on to work at the White House and he went on to other government jobs and seeing him pursue his own career path. And then it actually moved us overseas. So we spent six years overseas, two years Kuwait, two years Egypt, two years in Jordan. And I think that really gave me this capacity of just you can pick up and do whatever you want to do. And whenever you want to do it, you don't have to be tied down to one place. You don't have to be tied down to one thing. And I was really, really grateful to have parents who pushed me and motivated me to pursue whatever it was that I wanted. I mean, at the time it was fashion, but even when I pivoted towards beauty, they've been so supportive. Um, And alongside that, I think just seeing, spouts of entrepreneurship throughout my life that at the time I didn't know it was entrepreneurship. Like when I was younger, my mom had her own daycare out of our home. And then she went on to pursue child development and, and that became her career path. Um, further down the line, once my father retired, he open, opened up his own business with a fellow partner. Uh, while I was in New York, one of my roommates, she had a side hustle curating and selling vintage clothing while she was working her full-time job. So I always had this exposure to just going after whatever you want to create and do. I guess I just didn't know at the time, like this is what true entrepreneurship is.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And so I kind of had to create that path for myself, but I've always had the nudge and the push to, to create a life that you are proud and happy to live.
3: oh i love that that is such a benefit and such a awesome awesome experience to have because not everyone has that and that completely can shape a person so i'm so glad that you had that and you knew you (laughs) saw the side hustling you saw the entrepreneurship now tell us more about how you went about setting up your side hustle
2: Yes yeah, so once I started doing my research when I was still living in New York still working my um, at the time I was an account executive at a fashion showroom so I was still working this job and I had just started my initial research I like Google became my best friend day in and day and day out like I was on there figuring out how to start your own makeup line. So all these guides pop up. There were some videos that would pop up on YouTube at the time of like how you make your own lip gloss at home or things like that. Uh, And I would just take little pieces here and there, and I put together my own checklist of what I needed to have in place to actually create um, something that it wasn't going to be perfect, but it was going to be as close to professional as possible. And so once I had this list together, um, you know, my manufacturer that I wanted, the how I was going to handle packaging, how I was going to handle a website. Getting my LLC, getting an EIN. I I really made sure I had everything together. Uh, that's when I actually picked up and that's when I relocated to Georgia because I was like, okay, I know what I need to put together, but I, I want to make sure I have the funds. And so I'm looking and I'm seeing a lot of articles are talking about how much you actually need to start a cosmetics company. And it was, you know thousands and thousands of dollars which i did not have at the time and how so, many thousands i mean like it was like oh if, you know if you're trying to do you know a lip balm line or a lip gloss line you'll be fine with just a thousand and then it's like if you're trying to do color cosmetics you'll have to probably start at ten thousand plus. and i'm like at that time i'm like where would i even get ten thousand dollars from and so I started understanding more um, from working in wholesale and fashion, I already knew about MOQs. So minimum order quantity um, that we would pass on to our vendors. And so I realized, okay, this actually converts to a lot of different industries and cosmetics is the same. A lot of manufacturers have MOQs you have to meet. And when it comes to color cosmetics, you have to meet that usually it's per shade, per skew. And so I really drilled down And I found this uh, website, I don't know if it's still around, but it was this website called cosmetic index or cosmetics index or something like that. And it was, it's basically the yellow pages for anything you could possibly need to start a cosmetics line. Like packaging, supplies, raw material, manufacturers, contract manufacturing, like everything you possibly need. And That's so, a great tip right there. I, yes, never heard
3: of it. I mean I, I wasn't I, looking to start one, but now I know.
2: <laughs> yes, I'm like, and it's so funny looking back. I re- I remember the website in my head, and it wasn't this super polished, you know, modern website. Half the time, I would click into companies, and it would just say the name and a phone number. <laughs> I'm like okay, and so you really had to do your research, and I. I mean I went through so many I, I I dated a lot of manufacturers until I found the perfect match and I found a woman owned manufacturer here in the US and her, she said that the MOQ at her company was only $150 and so nice. when, yeah so <laughs> when you think of wholesale you're not you're not purchasing you know this at retail price you're purchasing this at a wholesale price so with $150 that I made that thing was, Red wide and far because I was like okay I want to get tools like I want to get a spatula I want to get a beaker I want to get pigments uh-huh. to play with I want to get toners to play with I want to get bases to play with everything that I needed to basically create a foundation at my house and so that's how it really started I remember I was in my living room in Atlanta and the order arrived and I was so excited I was like a kid on Christmas day and I popped everything out I laid it all out on my living room table and I just sat there I created 20, at least 20 different shades of brown that actually reflected the skin tones that I saw in my family and my friends wherever in the world and it was it was a serious aha moment because I was so shocked at myself I was like I the whole time this is all it took to create these shades and <laughs>
1: right. I had,
2: you know and I'm like why so then why is it that these bigger cosmetic companies aren't creating the shades then I really had to think about you know they don't see the want for it, they don't see the need and they, they don't have the desire to create for us. And so I was like, okay, I really need to take this and run with it and expand on these deeper shades, expand on how I sat here and I used only clean ingredients. There were no filler ingredients and how I was able to use ingredients that take care of your skin while you're wearing the makeup. And so that's really how everything developed from there. love that
3: you have this focus on eczema and acne skin Mm -hmm. you know skin that has these kind of issues which you know I can relate to as someone who suffers from eczema and I know that it is hard to figure out what is in my foundation (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes what does this chemical actually mean what will it interact with like Mm -hmm. is it bad for me is it good when it's in a cosmetic because there's some things that like if you just google the ingredient right it's like super scary but then like if you look at the the guidelines it's like if it's in this particular mixture it's safe you know yes Um, right so how did you not having like a chemist background start to parse together okay how can i create these products also keep them clean and effective
2: So I'm similar to you. I had pretty decent skin, I would say, throughout, you know, probably to the end of high school. Um, I would see my friends. You know, trying out a lot of different makeup and I never like ventured into it. I remember one time I tried out my friend's makeup and at the time it was this really popular product. I think it was the Maybelline, it was like Dream Moose or something. And everyone in high school was uh, using no. this product. <laughs> and I was like, okay. We were going to some party or something. And I just went to, I was like, I want to do, you know, something on my face. And I broke out so terribly. And I already knew from being a child that I had a severe allergic reaction to fragrance. One time I spread like my grandmother's um, lotion all over my face and it was heavily scented. And I broke out very badly. And from there, my mom was like, okay, we have to be really careful with fragrance with you. And so that was the only real, you know, allergen I knew of. And so I was like, wow, so now I just need to avoid, you know, this product had fragrance in it, so I can't put it on my face. I already couldn't, you know, everybody was using the body sprays and the scented lotions. I couldn't use those either. So I'm like, okay, I need to avoid that ingredient. And then moving on further uh, into college and trying, uh, I think it was like a girlfriend's bronzer or something. And it broke me out so badly. And I'm looking, I'm like, okay, it can't only be fragrance, but I, I didn't know what it was. And in college is when I developed head-to-toe eczema. And it was so bad just because I didn't have any resources around me. I was making it worse. I couldn't stop scratching. My mom, I remember telling my mom about it. She was like, I don't know what's happening. And we finally went to a dermatologist. And she was like, "Okay, I see you're developing cystic acne, and then I also see that you're developing eczema. And we found out that I have a, a serious talc allergen, also with fragrance, also with synthetic dyes. So she broke down all these things that I need to avoid. So that was swapping out my laundry detergent, making sure you know I wasn't washing my sheets or clothes and anything that like had you know that blue dye that you usually see in detergent. Making sure I was using you know clean things for my body wash." And just really changed my routine. And so from there, it was like, okay, I'm trying these little things that the dermatologist is giving me. She's not seeing that large of an improvement. So she's like, okay, the next step needs to be steroid treatment. And to me, like steroid, it's just okay. such, it's such a heavy, serious word to me. And it, and it was scary. And I opted out. And I, again, just did my own research And started finding like these different balms and salves that you could use that helped with your itchiness, with your dryness, with your flakiness. One of them being calendula flower. And so me and calendula flower besties. I remember. (laughs) I remember I had this tin. I don't remember if I got it in New Jersey or if I got it in New York, but it was this a tin can, and it had this yellow salve in it, and was a. calendula base salve. And I applied it to my patches and I started seeing this huge decrease in my eczema. And so I was like, okay, I just remained consistent with it and it provided such relief. And so that kind of happened with other topical agents I was using. So I was able to avoid, you know, such a strict and heavy regimen of, you know, applying or taking steroids. And so fast forward to when I was making and dreaming of my makeup line, I was like, oh, that would be so cool if we could implement these type of ingredients into the makeup. So ingredients that you usually just see sitting on them, uh, sitting by themselves, if there was a way to blend them together. And again, my fairy my fairy godmother in the form of a manufacturer, when I decided to do contract manufacturing with them, and I was telling her about these issues with my excellent acne, and she actually told me about her own personal journey where she had undergone facial surgery and she wasn't able to use makeup because it irritated her skin. So she wanted to create something that she was able to still use whenever she wanted to you know, make up her face, but wouldn't irritate The scars or her recovery from this facial surgery. And so she also was like, yeah, calendula is amazing to treat burns, to treat scarring, et cetera. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So it just works out perfectly. And then her educating me about other ingredients like French clay, um, which a lot of people aren't familiar with, but it's also great to help with purifying and detoxifying the skin um, while balancing your oiliness. And so walking me through the different ingredients that we could put into this foundation and how it actually really did work together to take care of your skin while still giving you the fun and and a free type of, you know, enjoyment of makeup right. um, is kind of how that developed. And so that's been my purpose with every product that I've developed. I'm like, I know that if I I can't personally use it. It's not anything that I'm going to sell. And so the big ones for me were definitely no dyes, no fragrance, no talc, no sulfates. And yeah, it's just kind of- Isn't that that amazing? (laughs) I mean, something that,
3: you know, once I'm sure was such a pain and probably a source of insecurity, it's now helping you to develop a product that so many people need, you know, and so many people have- Once you got to Atlanta, how long did it take you to get this idea off the ground?
2: So I would say the initial concept started in 2014. That's when the idea really came to me. Uh, I relocated to Atlanta in 2015. I did a soft launch in May 2017. So about two years of research and development, trying it out on myself, trying it out on family and friends combing through reviews on other makeup lines combing through social media comments and reactions to the the shades and the products that other brands were putting out um, and really using that to develop what was initially called skinny dip cosmetics at the time that's so that- a fun name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Interesting stories. I remember getting my LLC and EIN under this name because Uh I was like, "Oh, I wanted." I was trying to think of a name that was, you know, kind of in within the ethos of, "I'm not here to cover up your skin to hide anything. I want you to still feel free." And you know, yourself in our makeup. And so when I when I was thinking about when do you feel free and all of this, I was like, okay, skinny dipping. You know, that's one of the, the times where you when you can feel the most free, you're, you know, stripped down, you're with nature. And so I called it, it S K N Y Dip Cosmetics. And so one of the things that I talked to about like with the founders, I'm like, always make sure you do your due diligence because at the time when I did my EIN and LLC, and I tried to do it e- a tra- a- 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 and an employee. Um, yes. Identification Sorry. Though. Yes. yes. <laughs> employee identification. It's employee like your te- it's em- yeah. Yeah. Your, your, your business social security number is the way I think right. of it. It's like for your attacks and everything. But at the time when I did my trademark search, there wasn't anything registered to it. And this was my June 2014 so now fast forward to 2017 when I'm launching, I wasn't like, okay, now let me go back and double check and make sure. No. I was just like, okay, I have my LSE, I have my EIN, we're good to go. And I launched in May 2017. I think I was contacted June or July of 2017 by a company out of the UK called Skinny Dip, S-K-I-N-N-Y. And they started off in the UK as just a a phone and fashion accessories brand. And they eventually branched into makeup. And so they contacted me via email and told me you're infringing on our trademark. You need to basically break down everything or we're going to take you to court. (laughs) like, ow. (laughs) What? It was crazy because I'm like, first of all, I mean, I think I've made probably $500. So please, please try to take me to court. (laughs) Like, You won't be a happy camper. But it it was also at the same time, the direction Skinny Dip was going in, it wasn't in alignment with my original purpose and mission. And so it Mm -hmm. was kind of very timely because I already wanted to just toss everything to the side and start over. So that was pretty much like my huge red flag to like abort (laughs) mission and let's try this again and and you know something else too like it's so
3: funny because um I think your name is just it's simple and it's perfect like it's what you're about right the range Mm -hmm. and it's beauty and I also think that it may sound simple but putting beauty in your name when you're a beauty line It's like genius. I mean, if you can find a way, fancy beauty, range beauty, like it is. It's good. it's good. I don't yes. know what else to say, guys, but like, and, and I always talk about names with people because this is not something I want side hustlers to get hung up on. But at the yeah. same time, anytime you find yourself like coming up with something because you think it's cute and catchy, yes. <laughs> you're probably going down a road where like no one else gets that thing that you have in your head, like that, exactly. that cute concept you think you have in your head, like it's time <laughs> to rework it. It's time to run it by people who would actually be your customers, not like your mm-hmm. friends. So mm-hmm. thank you for being transparent about this blunder along the way
2: (laughs) yes and just to even double down on that when i went back to the drawing board to rebrand and i came up the name i was like oh how about range because you know range of skin types skin tones bank accounts everything we are here to serve the range and i remember i was floating but i was like what do you guys think about range and i remember my dad was like like out on the open range that's weird okay and then one of my friends is like I think of like you know (laughs) I think of like a like a stovetop like you're cooking on the range and then when I added and I was like okay what about range beauty everyone was like oh okay yes yes (laughs) yes yes yes.
3: (laughs) (laughs) so when did that rebrand all come together
2: So then it was about another year later. So I think I was on market maybe for two months after May uh, 2017 launch and we rebranded and relaunched August, end of August of 2018. And um, obviously that was the updated name, then completely new packaging updated the website. I like, I really went all out um, for the relaunch and on top of that when i initially launched my focus was that i i wanted the range to only be i think it was brown to deeper brown shades at first so at first i believe it was only about 16 or 14 shades that i had and so when i rebranded and relaunched i focused in on the 21 forgotten shades and that was from fair to deeper brown and my idea was you know it's not only brown to deeper brown uh, black women or women of color that have an issue. There there black women come in all different types of shades. Black people come in all different types of shades. So I wanted to make sure I was inclusive inclusive of them and then while I was able to prioritize black women and women of color it was also still inclusive to groups outside of them and so that was how I rebranded and relaunched making sure it was known that I'm still prioritizing us but it's not only us who can use the line.
3: And you talked about that $500, right? Like when people are going to sue you, it's like, well, I made
0: $500.
3: (laughs) Um, But you've also discussed like you've gone through a rebrand. You've Mm -hmm. gone through dating manufacturers and figuring out, um, you know, the ranges. So what would you say was your investment like in materials and everything up front just to get started?
2: I always, whenever people ask me this, they're still so shocked. And I don't know if it was because of the year or what, but I would say my initial investment was probably around $1,000, $1,500. And I did, I was able to keep it still very low, even with our blowout because a lot of the things that I used for the rebrand, I did myself. So thinking about website, like I used a $5 plan on Squarespace and that's so easy to drop and place templates and make it look cute <laughs> without having to spend a pretty penny. Um, for my packaging, I found a really great designer out of LA um, who was just trying to build up her own personal portfolio. And so her cost was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll design this for $100. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's my, you know? And so trying to keep my budget as tight as possible and just telling myself that, Alicia, professional, not perfect. Professional, not perfect. Like, And I tell this to everyone. I've gone through, I think it's been a three or four different rebrands now, including my initial one with skinny dip. And so I always do not focus your money and your budget and your time on your actual branding and the front half, wherever you are, when you launch, I promise you fast forward, even just a few months and you're going to be like yeah, no, I don't like this anymore. Um, And so I'm always like, just make it as professional, make it as sellable as possible, but it's not going to be perfect. And so that's what I just had to tell myself. And I kept that mindful, especially with budget too.
3: Speaking of branding, speaking of marketing, how did you develop your marketing plan? And how did you start to get the word out about Range Beauty?
2: Yes, so my initial marketing plan was non existent. Um, I basically just started an Instagram and Twitter uh, before I even launched Skinny Dip or before I made it public for sale. I wanted to make sure there was some type of hype and engagement being created before we actually went to market. So I was posting inspo images, I was posting some behind the scenes images. Um, on my Instagram and Twitter at the time before we even launched. And then once we launched, I remember I posted, I was always very careful with how I made sure whatever it was, whether it was skinny dip, whether it's, you know, fast forward to range, whatever the picture was, it was intentional. And it was intentional to show off why we created this. And so I remember one of the tweets initially when it was skinny dip, Was the packaging all laid out or the bottles all laid out and it was picked up by a major beauty account on Twitter and she retweeted it and she was like, now this is what you call range. And it was during a time when a lot of makeup brands were coming out with shade ranges that didn't even touch my skin tone. And so it just went crazy and it took off. And then the same thing happened fast forward with range. I did another kind of uh, over top shot of all the bottles laid out so you could see every single color we have. And it went crazy. Um, And so being intentional with the product photography and then also being intentional with, Whenever people would leave comments or engage on our page, actually giving them a response and then actually using that feedback to apply it to the line, I think is really what set us up for success. And then obviously being the only line at that time and even now to this day that focused on skincare benefits in your makeup especially targeted for eczema and acne while being clean and inclusive. It, it was just no one else was checking off those boxes. And so I think a lot of accounts were excited to see it. And we had a lot of organic exposure and reach. And I'm really fortunate and, and grateful for that. A lot of influencers I was reaching out to and said, hey, you know, I would love to just give to you. I never asked them to post. I never said, you know, if you do this, I'll pay you. It was just, I would love for you to try it out because I love what you're doing on your page. And I would say nine out of 10 times the influencer would make a post about it because they actually enjoyed the product, which is the best. It's the best type of exposure you can get. Right. So um, and I think and it just resonated throughout press as well. Uh, We picked up a lot of press features very organically. Today, people are like, who's your publicist? Like. I do not have one, y'all. I'm so sorry. Like <laughs> any <laughs> press coverage you see, it is that actual, you know, writer or blogger, whomever, reaching out to us directly asking if they could feature us, which is amazing. Again, but yeah, we. I, I think this is our first year that I've actually said, okay, here's our, here's a true marketing plan. Here's what we want to do because now we're in scale mode, and I have. Uh, larger revenue goals than I had last year and the previous year. And so I'm like, okay, now it's a kind of basically 10 times that we need to really put in a plan in place so that we're not only relying on organic reach. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. And the majority of our sales, um, word of mouth, everything has been very organic. And so Instagram played a big part in that huge. Would say. Yeah. Huge. Twitter and Instagram, played huge parts in us getting exposure and us getting site conversion for sure.
3: How did you manage fulfilling orders, promoting your business, doing all the things in your business while you were still a side hustler? (laughs) What was your process?
2: I was tired. I don't even know. I think I was asleep half the time. It's all a blur. But I just I knew that I always wanted to be my own boss. That that was always in my mind, whether that was in fashion or in something else. I knew I did not want to work for someone for the rest of my life. That wasn't the life that I intended for myself. And so even when I moved into this HR role in Atlanta, very far away from fashion and even further from beauty. I always told myself this is temporary. This is temporary. So, if I'm telling myself it's temporary, then I need to be working my butt off to make sure it is truly temporary. And so, those times, you know, my friends were like, let's go on a trip or let's go to brunch or let's do this. I was at home working on orders. I was at home responding to customer service emails. I was at home making batches because everything was handmade at the time. Um, Like I really did sacrifice a lot of free time because it's something that I believed I could create as my full-time job and, and create into a company. And I think initially I was moving a little bit slower and it wasn't until Target contacted me, I believe it was October of 2018. So I had just relaunched and rebranded August of 2018, I had set up these goals for myself and I received a DM from a target buyer. It was a black woman saying, Hey, I would love to talk to you about your brand. And I thought it was a spam message. I was like, okay, yeah, i talk about it or whatever. And then I looked up her name and everything on LinkedIn and she was the real deal. And so uh, she and her assistant buyer came to Atlanta and I did a line presentation for them. So I presented the collection to them and just sitting oh. in front of these two Black woman buyers who were close to my age and having them, you know, excited about what I created and having them talk about, you know, we're basically trying to get in as many Black owned brands that are doing the damn thing and get them in through the door before questions start being asked. And I remember that <laughs> resonating. I <laughs> energy. You me. know, okay. I okay. felt okay, it. I, I and felt did they say it. how they came
3: across to you, how they, you know, found out about
2: your business? It was so funny because I asked, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I saw the DM and she was like, I was just scrolling on Instagram and I saw your brand and she, because she had DM to me on my personal page and at the time, and even now, um, in my bio on our business page, I had created by, and I put my personal, uh, handle Instagram handle on there. And so that's how she found me. But, uh, she was like, yeah, I just came up on my radar. And so when I told her, you know, I'm actually not ready because I just launched, in August. She was like, wait, I didn't know you were that new. And that was even more, (laughs) (laughs) it was just even more like, okay, hype me up, hype me up, you know? And That you're doing the right thing. Exactly, it was just, even though you don't need, you're your own validation, you know your purpose, you know your mission, what your company, it was just that extra cherry on top of like, okay, I am doing something that could, that really has a place in the bigger market. And so I think that conversation being so transparent and so candid and then, you know, drilling down on what it basically takes to get into Target and saying, you know, we're here for you. We want to see you here. And me saying, I want to see myself there too. I'm going to make sure, like, I, I, I want you guys to know I'm circling back on this. And that was the extra fire because, I mean, for me, I had it on my probably like five or six year plan. Oh, I, I can't wait to, you know, be able to present to Target.
3: Mm. And so, and really, what what was in that gap between where you were and what would be needed to be on store shelves in, in Target?
2: So, the biggest thing was absolutely capital. It was just hands down capital. It was when they were talking about, you know, you have to pay for your signage. It's when they're talking about there has to be marketing. You don't get to just be on the shelf and be excited and kick up your feet. And that's it. You have to make sure there's pushing towards stores in different uh, states and locations. And you have to make sure your packaging is ready. You have to make sure you actually have to pay for the reviews that get hosted on the website or wherever. You know, all of these little things that you have to account for that people, I think, don't realize how much you have to pay for upfront to be in retail. And breaking down the different costs, I was like, okay, so now my next goal and my next mission is to raise additional capital to whatever I'm already bootstrapping the company with. So everything was being funded through the profits of the company and through whatever I had left over for my nine to five. So I'm like, okay, what's the next step? Again, got on Google and of course, there's all of these things talking about you need an investor. And I'm seeing, you know, examples of investors. And at the same time, I'm, I've been watching Shark Tank. I've been an avid watcher of Shark Tank. Um, I, I saw, you know, Melissa Butler in the Lip Bars episode. and I'm just like, okay, I don't know if I'm that ready for, you know, to pitch my business like that. And so what can I do aside from an investor? And that's when I found Um, that these pitch competitions and these grant competitions and these funds actually exist. And um, I just, I dived head first into pitching.
3: When I met you in 2019, I could see that you were on your grind. Like you were up there, like I'm going to put my business in front of as many people as possible. I'm going to apply for every opportunity. Can you talk to us about what, mode you went into after that? How did you go about getting more capital?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I had to tap into that. I love public speaking. I, I can talk about something I know about just day in and day out, honestly. And I've been that way since I was little. I loved getting up and doing class presentations. I loved having to do speeches. And I love the feedback that I received from my teachers. And so I'm like, okay, who knows my brand better than me? No one. And then on top of that, I love speaking. So I think I could do a pitch competition. And so the first competition I actually applied for was, I believe it was with Jackie Ina, um, who's obviously a huge beauty and YouTube mogul and star. She was doing a grant at the time. It was called Noir Grant. And she was awarding $5,000 uh, to a Black-owned business And I applied. I remember applying and I made it through the initial round and then I made it through the final round and they flew us to LA, put us up in this beautiful house. You know, We did this whole talk with her and her fiance, Dennis. And then they were like, okay, so now you're going to have to pitch live on our YouTube. I'm like, okay. And so I did the pitch and the response was just overwhelmingly great. And I was one of the $5,000 winners It was myself and, um, one other business owner, we got $5,000 each. And so I'm like, okay, if I can do this, I think I can do it again. And yeah. so then, <laughs> and so I just kept on applying and my next application was at, at now it's called fearless fund, but I'm not sure what it was called previously, but it was headed by Ariane Simone. And she held these competitions in Atlanta and it was for you to receive an investment. And it was like, it would usually go up to, I think, a hundred thousand dollars. And so um, I applied, I made it through the initial round. Um, I made it through the second round. The next round was we were at Spanx headquarters here in Atlanta and we went into these separate rooms and you had to pitch before your judge. And I pitched, I had my whole thing together And at the end of it, my judge said, that was an amazing pitch. Like, you really know your business. You really know your stats. But what I want to know is, what is your unique identifier? And at the time, I was just pitching about us being affordable, us being inclusive, and us being clean. I wasn't talking about my journey with eczema and acne. I wasn't talking about why I wanted these products specially formulated for acne and eczema-prone skin. And don't, I don't even ask me why, because I don't, I don't even know why to this day, why I left it out. But I was just like, okay, these are the three important things that I need to touch base on. And so she asked me, and she was like, I think you'll really be on to something once you state your unique identifier. What is your point of differentiation? And she was like, when you look at Fenty, because at this time now Fenty had launched and they came out, you know, with these 50 shades. And now these other brands were coming out with 50 shades. And so she's like, when you see these brands coming out, you know, you can't really lot rely on being inclusive because they're coming out with more shades than you are. You can't really rely on being affordable because some of these brands, um, like the drugstore brands, are now trying to expand their range. So what is it truly, aside from being clean? Um, And so I really took her advice and I ran with it. And that's when I drilled down on my elevator pitch. That's when I drilled down on our tagline. Clean beauty for the forgotten shades. And that's where I drilled down on. I created this because of my acne eczema prone skin. And from there, that's when I just I started sn- snatching up everything that I was applying for, honestly. And snatching up. <laughs> you said- I really, I I love that. You're like, I'm coming for everything. Yes. I'm oh. <laughs> I was kicking down doors and I would, I mean, even after I would apply for school, I'm like, there's no way they can deny me now. And so, and that's really how it was. And it was not only was it helping me with the capital, but it was helping me with exposure too, because now I'm doing these big grant competitions and pitch competitions. So my second pitch uh, competition with Arianne was at Facebook headquarters. um, And I actually made it onto stage And from there, they picked the finalist, um, which was not me, but it was nice to see my growth and my development. And at the same time, I'm picking up like these 5K, 10K grants. And just building from there, and at the same time, I'm maintaining this relationship with Target. So I went to Target headquarters um, in, I believe it was February of 2019. Every February, they do a Black-owned business fair where they highlight um, Black-owned vendors that they have at Target, as well as vendors they're interested in bringing in, or just vendors that they love the service that they're providing. And so I remember I made relationships and contacts there. And I maintained that relationship all through 2019. And then my big competition came um, in December of 2019. I was a vendor at the Target Essence uh, Holiday Market. And it was was right... I had already told myself December 2019 is my last month at my 9 to 5. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so I was a vendor at this fair... Um, I met with a lot of the target execs that I had met at headquarters. And I was also in the pitch competition that was hosted by New Voices, Essence and Target. And I remember I gave my pitch and like the target execs were emailing me like, wow, my gosh, I'm so glad I caught this. You killed it. And it was so amazing. And I remember I when I was like, my goal was I just didn't want to win the like runner-up prize. I was like, I just don't want to win the runner-up prize. And so um, I think the runner-up prize is like 5,000, I believe. And then I think the next tier was 15, if I'm not mistaken. And so I was in the next tier. And then it just really, everything just progressed. It just kept on progressing from there. I applied for a Bumble for business um, pitch and I won that. A grant. I applied for a visa grant. I won that grant. Um, I got into Target Takeoff Beauty last year and did their program. And then at the end of that was when you know Target gave me the green light for .com. And then all of last year, I was like, okay, now I need even more capital. So I started applying to the big buckets and won. I believe it was twenty or twenty-five k through the Brown Girl Jane Shea Moisture Vaseline Pitch Competition. And then I applied one more time (laughs) to the Fearless Fund Pitch Competition. And it was here in Atlanta. And it was myself and another beauty company. Uh, It was a beauty tech company. And we pitched live. And I ended up winning winning the $100,000 investment. And... (laughs) <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And it was amazing. I did my due diligence with the investors and, you know, gave them my strategy of how the money, you know, how I was going to use the funding. And I remember I got off the call and then a few days later Aaron called me and was like, So I've been talking it all over with my partners and we decided we want to double the award amount because we know you're going to really need the support to get to where you're you're trying to go and so it was increased to 200k investment and now i'm like now i'm actually you know trying to be in the big leagues and actually talking to investors this year so it's all been a really amazing like growth spurt for me to be honest yes And
3: it's so dope that you are able to, you know, you're working with women who are, are working to give money, to get, to invest, yes. not give money. Like it's, it's not charity, but
2: invest in yes. growing
3: companies and they see your vision. Um, yes. And an- another thing I love about your story, Alicia, is just the fact that um, you believe in yourself. You'd be surprised yeah. how for so many Side hustlers and entrepreneurs, that missing ingredient is the confidence. You yes. work, 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 work. You are taking the steps to make sure you can back up what you have to say. But then when the opportunity presents itself, it shrinks. Like I remember when I got on stage at, you know, it was Summit 21, and I, you know, wanted someone to come up and talk about their business. And you were the first hand. Like I think <laughs> the hands staggered after you but you were ready. First person (laughs) hand up, first person I saw. And it was like, and I'm not going to lie, like if I was in your shoes like a few years back, like I would be the type of person who would, have like a conversation with myself and by the time by the time I worked up the nerve it would have been the opportunity would have been gone. So you guys if you are there like work on your confidence work on being sure of yourself so that when opportunity presents itself you go out there and you get that bag. Just like Alicia's been going out there and oh, taking,
2: thank you. She
3: is old, okay <laughs> she outdoors, and she's like y'all y'all gonna give me this Yes. But let's, speaking of money, let's talk about this, right? Because you're a new business, um, you're not getting that for your personal bank account. You're getting that for your business bank account. So a lot of entrepreneurs, they're in that stage where they it takes them a long time to be able to pull a salary, to be able to make money. What has been your experience?
2: Yes, my biggest experience with this was just remembering my parents, although supportive and although motivating, always told me never leave a job if you don't have either one lined up or if you don't have a nice fat savings account. Those were the two things. And so that was my biggest thing working my nine to five. I was like, not only am I putting aside money for whatever I need expense-wise, for range but i am putting aside money for my personal expenses too because there's no way i was thinking i'm going to get the same salary i'm getting in this position at my nine to five that i'm going to get initially off of taking range on full-time and so I got myself to a point where I will say I was comfortable. I, I had a very nice cushion for sure, but it was still a little, you know, a little person on my shoulder, like, uh, oh, work a little bit more, work a little bit more, save a little bit more, save a little bit more. And so at the same time, I'm winning these competitions. I'm getting this amazing exposure and I'm telling my dad, my dad is like my biggest fan, honestly. And so I'm telling him about everything that's happening and he's like, "You need to leave your. Po- you, you, it's time to leave your job, Alicia." And I'm like, "Wow, your dad said that." <laughs> yes, my dad was like, "Alicia, it's time for you to leave your job." And I was telling him, "No, I just want to save a little bit more. I want to save a little bit more." And he's like, "What made him say that?" He, I think, he was just seeing me win these competitions. He saw the initial excitement from Target, and he saw the exposure and reach I was gaining when I would loop him in on what was happening and tell him about what was, what was even happening sales wise. And he was like, look at what you're able to do with this as you're, as you're working a nine to five. And he is like, whatever energy and time you're putting into that nine to five, it's you're not able to put that into your business. And he's like, you just gotta go for it. And I remember our final conversation Cause I, I swear anytime I would talk to him about range, it got to the point where he was like, mm-hmm, you need to leave your job. <laughs> like, okay. And the last <laughs> time
1: the, it was,
2: yes, I, I tell him all the time, the last push he gave me, I was just like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and he said, Alicia, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to have to get another job if it doesn't work out. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And he was like, you have this amazing resume now. What is that the worst thing that's going to have to happen to you? And I was like, Yeah, okay. And so I told him, I said, I'm moving my job at the end of 2019. And I remember when I received this investment, um, and we were talking, and he was like, I remember you telling me early. 2019 like you told me I'm going to leave my job at the end of of, of 2019 and he's like now look at you and it's just like I don't think people understand having those type of people in your circle and in your life especially while you're pursuing entrepreneurship which can be crazy yeah a parent a parent who is usually like you know i just want you to be safe and, and, and protected and you know all of these things but having that especially for entrepreneurship and it's it's a lonely journey it can be it can be scary it can be there's struggles right. like having those type of people in your corner sometimes like like you talk about confidence like i feel i am very confident in my business i'm very confident in myself now are there moments where that wavers absolutely are there times where i just feel like why do I keep on getting no on this? Or, you know, why is this happening? And you have these people that are able to push you up when you're kind of feeling yourself sinking down. I think that's so important. And I have to say, I have to touch on Sun 21 because I remember seeing you on the lineup. I have to say, (laughs) I remember seeing you on the lineup and I was so excited. And as soon as the door opened, as soon as the door, I was at the front of the line for when (laughs) the door to your session opened. Yes, and I said, I am sitting on the front row because I like... I don't know. I'm going to try and pull you to the side to say something to you. So then being able to be on stage with you, I mean, wow, 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 wow. That was such a defining moment for me. So I just had to say that. (laughs) You just made me tear up. Like (laughs) I'm tearing
3: up. (laughs) That is amazing. That is awesome. I mean, I'm so touched, and also like, yeah, I was so impressed. Not only that you did that, but just your energy. Like, you could tell. You know how you could just tell a winner. <laughs> just tell that you a winner.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you so
3: much. So I'm so proud and happy to see where you are now. I mean, we we started following each other, so we, you know, I've been following along the journey, Yay. and I'm, I'm so happy that we can share your story today. And you. Um, I know that. You're going to inspire so many people because you you truly are a testament to what can happen when you believe in yourself and you mm. you literally started just where everyone can start with Google. Yes, <laughs> yes. seriously with Google. And <laughs> it from there. Um, so at this point, before we jump in the lightning round, I want to know, like, how big is the team? Are you able to take a salary? Are you still in the phase where you kind of like doing other hustles to pay yourself? How is it going?
2: Yes. So today it's uh, myself. And then I have an operations manager who is part-time. And then I have a marketing team composed of three amazing Black women. Uh, One is through an agency for our ads. And then I have two who are freelance contractors. Um, And then I also have my Black woman-owned 3PL here in Atlanta as well. So I'm surrounded by just uh, just black women killing it, which is which has been my goal. Um, And so as far as salary, I have not taken a salary yet. Um, I have just been fortunate. I mean, everything that I saved has really it's it's held me over, to be honest. Um, I haven't. Gone outside of my expenses since my nine to five. I wasn't like, okay, now I'm going to buy a house or now I'm going to upgrade my car. I still drive the same car. I still live in the same apartment. <laughs> my expenses are pretty much the same. Um, so I haven't made any crazy changes. And so, I mean, last year was really just my first year full time with range. So I've been fortunate to have my personal savings still intact and be able to pull from there and just keep the business account the business account. But I'm like, I think after seeing myself pay out everybody for the work they're doing, I'm like, okay, everybody else is getting paid. I need to start paying myself. So my goal is definitely towards the end of this year to put a salary in place for myself.
3: So now we're going to do a quick lightning round. You know the deal. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready?
2: I am so ready.
3: All right, okay. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Yeah, Google, it's free.
2: <laughs> <like>.
3: <laughs> you have inspired me to Google some more, girl. I will say, I mean- they, they need Honestly, to come in and check for you. Okay? I'm like,
2: can you sponsor me? <laughs> Google, what's up? But they have been the unwavering resource from start to where I am now for anything I've ever needed to look up about running a business, about running a makeup brand, anything. And I'm just like, please, people do not utilize Google enough. Like- and
3: what was the name of that cosmetic index site you mentioned again? Yes,
2: it's- Either cosmetic or cosmeticsindex.com.
3: Okay. Number two, who is an entrepreneur that you admire and why?
2: Absolutely, Melissa Butler. Um, I remember watching her Shark Tank episode in real time and seeing their reaction to what she created for Black women and then seeing her growth from after that to where she is now has just been incredible. And along the journey, I've had the opportunity to talk to her. When I met her, I met her at uh, Target headquarters when I went there for the business fair. And she's like, I'll take my cell phone number if you ever need anything. And so fast forward to when it was time for me to go to Target, I remember i sent her a text i was like hey you know just seeing if i could get if i could get some feedback or advice and we set up a whole call and she was like please let me know if you need oh anything gosh. else gosh. and so that, that is honestly to me it, i just <laughs> that when i think uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. And like, when I think of um, entrepreneurs that hold a special light for me, it's the ones that I see actually uplifting and empowering us. And it aren't just in it, you know, for the money or for the fame or whatever, but are actually in it to create a difference with their brand, with their company, with their purpose, and then to bring up anyone they can along the way. So I love her down.
3: Uh, number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day?
2: Ooh, absolutely. Prayer in the morning. So, um, I always have to start my day. I I am very intentional with like waking up and being so grateful that I have another day to serve in a purpose that was masterfully created for me. Um, so I just, I have to, it doesn't matter if I have to do it in the shower, if I'm still in the bed, if it's before breakfast, wherever it is in my day, I have to do it. So that's my biggest one. Number four, what is a personal habit that you believe has helped
3: you significantly as you were side hustling?
2: I think just being kind and open. It's, it's, it's taken me pretty far and that not in the aspect of doing it to receive something, but I think just, taking whatever I have and trying to pay it forward has honestly bought me so much more. And that's just whether it's business or personal and saying, you know, Oh, this is how I do this. Or, you know, here's a resource for you. If you guys need a reference, please put me down anything. I just, I feel like it's been 10 times in what I've received. So I, I would, I guess I consider that a personal habit, just trying to be kind and, and, and trying to pay it forward as many times as I can. And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow
3: Black women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck?
2: I would say the same advice my dad gave me. What is the worst that can come from this? You're going to have to get another job. You're going to have to apply and and, and work a different job than what you were previously. Like... Take the time to do what you want to do to create the life you want to live. My favorite quote is you shouldn't fear failure, but you should be terrified of regret. And I say that all the time because it's so true. You never want to look back on anything and, and wonder, oh, I wonder what would have come from that if I would have just tried it. Just do it. Like Nike said, <laughs> just do it. Get it out there. <laughs> It's going to happen as long as you believe in it. And as long, as long as you actually do the work, don't, now don't sit around thinking something's going to just fall on your lap. Like as long as you are intentional and do the work, then you'll absolutely reap the benefits. So just go ahead and put yourself out there and give it a try.
3: Yes. What a powerful note to end on. Thank thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia, for being in the guest chair today. You guys go ahead and check her out. Where can people connect with
2: you online and on social media? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Like, honestly, recall the days of playing your podcast while I was filling orders. So it's incredible to be sitting here. But everyone can find me. Uh, My personal Instagram is Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A dot A-E-S or our business page on Instagram is range r-a-n-g-e underscore beauty and you can also find us on twitter at range beauty or our website rangebeauty.com and on target.com all right and there you have
3: it